Our high school guidance counselor used to ask us what you would do if you had a million dollars. Didn't have to work. And then invariably, whatever you'd say, that was supposed to be your career. So if you wanted to fix old cars, then you're supposed to be an auto mechanic. So what did you say? I never had an answer. I guess that's why I'm working at Initech. No, you're working at Initech because that question is bull to begin with. If everyone listened to her, there'd be no janitors because no one would clean up if they had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. Talking about millions of dollars. What would you do if you had a million dollars? I'll tell you what I'd do, man. Two chicks at the same time, man. We're living in a material world and I am a material girl. Or boy. Well, what about you now? What would you do? Besides two chicks at the same time? Well, yeah. Nothing. Nothing, huh? I would relax. I would sit on my ass all day. I would do nothing. Well, you don't need a million dollars to do nothing, man. Take a look at my cousin. He's broke. Don't do If I had a million dollars. Hello and welcome to Action Jackson. I'm Tom Arnold. He's Mr. Matt Weber on the board. S&P futures are up 44 and a quarter. We have a big move to the upside, almost exactly what we were up, uh, what we were up yesterday, uh, or what we were down yesterday, we are up today, which is seemingly interesting. <laughs> NASDAQ up 179, down 329. And yesterday I think we were, let's see, where were we? S&P was down 52, NASDAQ down 188, and Dow Jones is like 400, so we're almost exactly there. Very strange. Brennan, how are you, bud? I'm doing well today, Chief. How are you doing? As usual, I'm I'm, I'm confused by the world. You know, just saying. <laughs> I, I, uh, and here, I thought you had all the world's answers. Um, I'm just I'm having trouble getting all the world's questions together. The uh, <laughs> <laughs> the uh, I um, here's another one for this. Uh, uh, you know, in, in the world of let's let's find people, even though we don't know why we're finding them and who's paying. Did you see this thing this morning that uh, this Nicola, the guys that are doing the electric truck things, are paying 125 million to settle fraud charges to the SEC, and uh, this kind of uh, follows right right along my my same uh, theme with the the lady who was handcuffed like naked last week, and she got what three million bucks. And and I you know I don't I don't, I don't begin to know how much that something like that's worth, but I, I don't get who they think's paying it and why the per, why the, what exactly the people did wrong that are paying the fine. Not to mention whether anybody deserves three million bucks for being naked for an hour. I mean, uh, some money, yeah, three million seems like a lot, especially when I don't know what your earning potential is. But we're not even going into that. This particular one, it's uh. SEC cracks down. This is an article by Thomas Frank and Michael Wayland on CNBC. SEC tra- cracks down on SPAC claims electric truck maker Nikola agrees to pay 125 million to settle fraud charges. Now they're they're going after these people that are using the non-traditional. Now, do you really think? I mean, I, there are people who think the SEC like works for Goldman and Morgan and stuff. Now, these are people traditionally. I guess we'll, we'll kick me if I'm wrong here, Brennan. Uh, an, an IPO, in my mind, has been the most disgustingly, uh, shall we say, compromised thing on earth since day one, since I first heard about them. No, what normally happens is you go to, if you want to go public, traditionally you would go to Morgan or Goldman or one of those thieves, and they would say, okay, here's the deal. So they, they get hired as a consultant. They they allegedly price your place. And they help you go out and do your road show, and the idea is that you get a bunch of firms together, 
and you and you go out public. Now they uh, they underwrite it, which means they they actually take control of the place for the, the time they they actually buy the stock. The underwriters and immediately flip it to other people that have promised to buy it from them. But there is a, a, a time frame where they own it, right, Brendan? And, That's uh, right. And uh, so essentially, they're telling the company your your place is worth fifty bucks. This is this is with huge consulting fees, and they usually get, they usually get a piece of it as well. So talk yeah. about talk about water on both shoulders, as they used to say at the SIBO. They are telling the company it's worth sixty bucks, yet everybody else that they're going on the road show and all their buddies and the and the oh yeah, it's really worth eighty, right? So on one hand they're selling it, on the other hand they're pricing it. And if there isn't some sort of a, an issue there, I you know I don't I, to me it's as obvious as the nose on anybody's face, right? So, but that's okay. Do you really see a conflict of interest when you're on both sides of this deal and you're setting the market price? Uh, yeah. Like I said, but this is the way it's been, but, it, but it's okay. You're, you're a little skeptical. Are you from the south side? Yeah, but it's okay because it's Morgan Stanley and it's Goldman because they are the system. So now yeah, we have, the, guys. yeah, so now we have this SPAC thing where people essentially go to market via, they call it, it's a special purpose acquisition company. And these guys just essentially do this like, I don't know exactly how it works, but, but it's the same thing. So now they're saying, Nicola, uh, what do they say here? I'll get the exact words. I'm going to do this. Uh, Electric Truck agreed to pay uh, $125 million to settle charges that defrauded investors by misleading them about its products, technical capacity, and business prospects. Uh, okay. SEC officials said they hoped the penalty would serve as a warning to all companies hoping to enter public markets via merger deal with a special purpose acquisition company or SPAC. Specifically, officials said statements from companies hoping to tap public markets needed to be wholly accurate. <laughs> Is that laughable? Wholly accurate? Give me a break, right? <laughs> um, the action marked the SEC's most recent move to more thoroughly regulate SPACs because the whole purpose of a SPAC was to not be regulated by the SEC. Um, for those of you who don't, um, uh, the, the Securities Act, help me here, Brennan, there was Securities Act or thirty three and thirty four. They were New Deal type things, and there was a lot of a lot of good stuff in there uh, regarding people having to be audited, public companies, and things like that. Uh, but also, the deal was in order for you to go public, you have to you have to register your register your security. Register your security, and you needed a uh, what, what do they call the thing? It was a well, it was a registration, and it was a big a prospectus. one. Prospectus. Yeah, you have a prospectus, and. Uh, and, and you had to register this with the SEC. Now, the SEC didn't approve it or anything. They just accepted it. So they, they didn't have to police it or anything like that. I mean, there was, there was nothing in there. Well the, the policing, well, the policing comes after the fact because there are anti-fraud provisions. You can't tell somebody, you can't tell your investors things that are untrue, and you can't omit to tell them things that are true, uh, which would be harmful to the sale of the stock. And don't forget that both the Securities Act and the Securities Exchange Act were done in response to the stock market crash of 1929, which right. precipitated the Great Depression, uh, because of all the stock speculation and false information that was done leading up to the crash of 29. Well, and so the, this is another reactionary bill. And the the people who were the crooks back then were the banks, because they would just sell yep. you shares of stock in a company and say it was a good company, but they didn't even have to give you an audited financial statement or anything like that. <laughs> or any kind of perspective. So the banks, now none of the banks went under for this, right? They went under for other reasons in 29, but, or in 32, whatever the hell they all went under. But the point here is now they're, they're going to, because 
in an effort to protect quote investors, they're going to find the company 125 million bucks. Now, explain to me, Lucy, how exactly that protects the investors by hitting them for another 125 million when you think they got defrauded in the first place. <laughs> is, is, am I missing something here? No, you know, no. Well, it, it's it's one thing if you were to, if you were to take the the fifteen executives and the and the people who run the spec, you know, and, and and parade them around the town square for for an hour or something. That that I that I'd get. Although I'm not, a, I'm sort of against cruel and unusual punishment. But but finding, you know, finding the uh, it, it's it's like finding people who go to church next Monday or next Sunday for something a priest allegedly did in 1964. What exactly are you supposed to do about it, or could you have done about it? Now, to take mm-hmm. a chunk, to take a chunk out of the investors here, who you think got rubed, is, is it, other than SEC getting money, what are we doing here? Well, I mean, the purpose is to stop other companies from doing it and other investment bankers from doing it in the future. It's, it's seen more as uh, you know, preventative than anything else, and punitive to the company because the company was largely involved in it. But companies don't pay fines. Uh, investors do. Uh, ultimately, you're right. So, you screwed your investors. So we're going to fine you, so you can you, you'll you won't pay a dividend for another four years. Mm-hmm. There's got to be some logic to this somewhere. Right? Business, uh, or theoretically, the company goes out of business because of their bad actions and whatever uh, whatever products they're making or services they're providing goes to somebody else. Why? Why am I uh, my south side inside telling me that the fine here is for not playing ball at the SEC? Mm-hmm. I I can understand your position for feeling that way. Um, and now, we, so we've never had Morgan or Goldman screw somebody in a deal. Well, but, but, you know, it, it's interesting how few times uh, the investment bankers have really been. Uh, um, complicit in these things, but they could be. You know, if, if, if they, there are a series of disclaimers and actions taken by the investment bankers and their lawyers to protect them, but they don't even have to take responsibility for the stuff that's in the official statement because they say, in the perspectives, that uh, they say that the information that, that uh, they don't have a duty to uh, to investigate so deeply because only the company has knowledge of the information that goes into the perspectives. Now, they, if they're totally negligent and uh, complicit in, a, in an intentional way, then they can be found uh, guilty of charges under the SEC Act or the uh, Securities Act or the Exchange Act. Brandon, if we open up an account for a company, this is what, what FINRA is doing to people in, in our industry. And, and I know people sit there and say, why is this guy always talking about his industry? Because I honestly believe that once you let the camel's nose get in the tent, you got a problem. And in, in our industry, they have this thing called, uh, it's, they, they, didn't, they didn't get the uh, fiduciary thing through. Okay, but now they're coming in with this best interests of the client. And they got this real, real issue with uh, anybody charging commissions on a recommendation because you essentially make money because you recommended something, and it's you know, and whether it's we know it's in your best interest because you charge. And I, I think it comes down virtually all the time, Brennan, to trust, and whether people are good or bad in reputation, 
Because mm-hmm. because I think what the the people at Finra or, or whoever who's ever down, going down this road doesn't quite get is that's that's how our entire economy is based. That if you want it, and, and I think they're, they're basically too dumb, or don't want to take it to its extreme. So if you take it to the extreme that every single time somebody charges for a service that they're screwing you because they're they're doing it just for them. You'd never go to the dentist. You'd never buy a tire, or you, you never get your tire. You never ask a guy, "Are my tires no good? Should I need new tires?" Because if you take it to its logical extent, if you had a, a, a sore tooth and you went to the dentist, he'd have to say, "Yeah, Brandon, your your tooth is sore. I'll write out a prescription for you to go somewhere else." And you just walk in and say, "I want my tooth pulled." Because you, you you would never let that guy pull it because he's getting paid for pulling a tooth after he told you you got a bum tooth. Or you would never be able to get a tire fixed by somebody. Yeah, your tire's flat. You need a new tire, but now you got to go across the street. Here's a prescription. This this is the entire way the economy works. So for these guys to look at the securities business and say, oh, no, if you recommend a stock and then you charge to trade it for somebody, that, that that's wrong because the only reason why you did it is to get your commission. Well, if you do that, what the entire the entire economy comes to a stop, or where am I wrong? No, I, I, under those scenarios and that, those examples, you're right. It, it doesn't seem, but it, it, it does all come down to trust. When you're interacting with somebody else, do you trust them? And the Securities Act are designed to um, put in penalties for those who deliberately or negligently lie to you. You know, if, if for example, in your dentist example, you come in and you say, my tooth is sore. Well, you know, why is your tooth sore? Is it a, because it's a bad tooth or because there's, a, you know, just kind of a nerve ending or something that uh, is related to your tooth that refers over there? And so, therefore, even with that examination, he pulls a tooth and the problem isn't fixed and is still there. Um, did he do an examination? Was he wrong? Was he, did he pull a good tooth? Did he pull a good tooth instead of a bad tooth? Um, so, you know, I, I agree with your statement that the way our economy works or should work if it is based on trust and the representations that the, the seller, the provider, doesn't lie to you. And probably in, in, in any kind of business, if you lie to too many people, you, 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 it, it'll go around. Yeah. So, I mean, I, this whole thing, I mean, the, the, the entire Securities Act, if, if you were to, I mean, I couldn't do it word by word, but one of the books I read about the crash of 29, banks were essentially the underwriters, and they would, they would, they would totally withhold information from people. And, uh, mm-hmm. and, and just sell you stock. <laughs> and say, well, do these guys mm-hmm. make any money? I don't know. We know you don't, but here, it's a good price. It, but you, the weird part is you bought it from them. This is, this is a, mm-hmm. this is the world's greatest deal. Uh, okay. Now, now I'm not talking about, in, in our industry, I would have total, uh, concern if, if somebody were to say IBM is the best stock in the world, you should buy it. Well, by the way, who's selling it? We are. <laughs> Yeah, well, now, now I have an issue with it, but you don't you don't buy it from the firm; you buy it in the market, right? So, I mean, it's not, it, it, this whole this whole idea of the government finding people and getting money and then trying to figure out why they're doing it and how you and how you're going to uh, make things better because of it, you know, like okay. But, but remember, the other part of the securities laws are to protect um, trading or selling stock when you know there's information that could adversely or positively affect the stock that is not being disclosed to the investor. You know, the idea is that whoever the investor is, that uh, he, she, or it 
has uh, has the ability to know. Do I think this is? Do I, as the investor, think this is a good deal? Now, if you're selling me stock and it looks like in the last three years there have been positive growth, but I know something's changing in the next six months is going to take a huge hit on my bottom line, and I I need the money from the sale of stock in order to survive, and I'm not going to tell you about this downturn. Then that's what. Whether I uh, initially say to you in the in the perspective that we're on an upward trend and will continue forever, or, uh, oh, by the way, we've got this pending problem that's going to impact our bottom line in a negative way in the next six months. Um, so the, the, the way that it works is that um, the, the investor is misled, either intentionally or, or by omission or commission. Well, I don't, I don't deny that, I, but there's so many levels of this, Brendan, and you see this go on and you see... Yeah, there aren't many levels to it. I mean, how, how now, I mean... It, there have been times, I mean, in my career in the business, it's been a long time, there's, there have been times when, when the, you know, there, there's always the regulatory, I say regulatory, the governmental interest rate, there's always the background that is, that is definitely part of the pricing of, quote, the market. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, if interest rates are here, you know, uh, P&Ls are here, P-E ratios are here, I mean, there's, and then, you know, that all can change and the whole market can kind of go up and down. Uh, you know, obviously when I started, interest rates were 15%, and the Dow was 800, and now they're like 0%, and the Dow is like way more than 800, right? So, I mean, it, but, but in that backdrop, you have all the individual companies, you know, some are good buys, some aren't. But the, the weird part is, every single person, not every single person, some people just look at a, a bunch of stocks and they say they're doing okay in their dividends and they do that, but basically every single person who buys a stock thinks he knows more than the person who sold it to him. Right, mm-hmm. I mean the idea. I'm following you, so I can figure yeah. out if this is a good price. That's this. That is the single biggest difference between a retail trader and a professional trader like like me. And I and I say that uh, as when I was on the trading floor for 20 years, in a professional trader, my my job was so much different than yours, and people don't really understand that. Is you you go in there and you think? I mean, I I made a market. I made a two sided market on things. And every, and every single time I made a trade, I assumed that the person I did the trade with knew more than me. Because he initiated it. I didn't. Mm-hmm. So, it's a whole different world. But retail people, they all think they know more. I'm, 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 I'm gonna buy, uh, the, the Russell, cause the Russell's gonna go from, you know, IWM is gonna go from 215 to 225 by the end of the year, we're gonna have a Santa Claus rally. And you forget totally that, by the way, you just bought it, you didn't buy it from the market. You bought it from another person. What makes you think the other person well, wasn't smarter than you that day? Well, how could he be smarter than me? Nobody well, is, right? right? You know, I, I just well, got Joe's newsletter. Joe says it's going up. Uh, okay. But th- this whole idea of, of who you find and who you don't, I mean, you just we just had two people from the Federal Reserve resign for insider trading, for God's sake. Everybody in Congress well, is able to do it. Why anybody in this country yeah. ever, ever... Ex- Not only able to do it, they do it. <laughs> yeah, but why anybody in this country would ever ex- ever accept a fine from these guys, I, I have no idea. I mean, it, it's, it's like it's like getting, you know, getting fined for drinking by the guy who owns the bar. Mm-hmm. I mean, we lost... I mean, I, I don't know. I, I'm not so sure there ever was a, a huge moral fiber to the place, but is, am I the only one who looks at this and going, this, this is kind of weird? I, you know, just saying... No, you have to know it's kind of weird. It, it, there have been inter- you know, conflicts uh, since the very beginning. 
And, you know, I think when you're talking about the paragon of virtue called Congress, that's a good place to start. <laughs> yeah. Because when you look at so many exemptions, uh, not only in the securities laws, but all over where we're imposing this rule on the rest of the country, but, oh, by the way, those of us in Congress have exemptions from that. Um, that's a ridiculous way to, to, to make laws. But it happens all the time. Yeah, you wonder, uh, <clears throat> are they, are they, if somebody really found out about it, and, and what's her name? Who's the, the the rich one who just lost Blondie? Uh, she was appointed. She's the head. Of, she's the wife of the guy who owns the ice. Loeffler, Loeffler. Oh, Kelly Loeffler in yeah. Georgia. Yeah. yeah, she sold all of her hotel stocks and bought Zoom stock uh, before before uh, word was spread about the impact of COVID. Now, if you happen to be, I mean, there's no way I don't think, Brennan, that you could. Uh, that you would know who you traded with. I mean, clearly, mm-hmm. on, the trade, on the trading floor, you did. I mean, or you knew what you, you either traded with uh, another another market maker, which you didn't do all that often, or you traded with a broker. But the broker, you just know he gave up. I suppose I should explain this. If you uh, there were there were two two kinds of people, well, there were all kinds of people in the trading pit, but there were two kinds basically. There were people who traded for their own account. And there were people who traded for other people. They did brokerage. So if you sent an order, I was in the OEX pit, if you sent an order on to buy 10 of the, whatever, 280 calls, it would go, if, if you went through uh, PTI, well, at the time we were using Mesro, so it would go to the Mesro broker, and uh, and, the, and a person would, would buy the calls for you, and they would give up Mesro, okay? So you knew you traded with somebody at Mesro. You don't know who the hell it was. But what, what if you actually, you know, sold your Zoom on the same hour, same day, as Kelly Loeffler was buying it, and all of a sudden found out that she had inside information. A week later, the stock you know doubled or whatever. I don't think it doubled, but mm-hmm. would anybody? Why, why couldn't you just lob one out there and say, uh, why, "Why couldn't you sue her personally?" Even though you don't know if she's on the other side of the trade or not, somebody was that day. But has that ever been tried by anybody? Not that I'm aware of. But, I mean, there are cases where people have been tried on securities laws for insider information, insider trading. Um, but it is very difficult to prove, especially in a case like that. Um, and because you know, she took the speculation that uh, Zoom would be one of those stocks that would increase in value because of what's happening. So, you know, that's, that was the example I gave you earlier where the, the basis of the securities law was the ticket that for the company individual knew something positive or negative that was going to impact the stock potentially in three to six months, and you don't disclose that to your potential investor. Um, now, in your case of, of the Waffle example, she's she's hedging that the news that she knows about the Omicron, or not Omicron, but the coronavirus, uh, will spur an industry like Zoom for and all meetings and things like that and also by selling her hotel stock at the same time because you know that there's going to be crackdowns and more travel restrictions coming. So she's, you know, I, I think if you were to say, um, look at that and say, okay, I'm going to buy Zoom stock because I think that this might be something that could, could take off in the next year. That's fine in and of itself. But when you couple that with two other pieces of information, one, the amount of hotel stock and uh, that is sold at the same time, and the fact that the sale was made shortly after she was in a meeting 
where things like this were discussed. Um, you know, you, you don't have to be a genius to kind of connect these dots and say, something doesn't sound right. Yes, individually, um, I could look at uh, a potential stock and say, I want to buy that, or I'm looking at a potential stock portfolio and I want to sell this. Um, but if you put those two together, contemporaneously, and the fact that you have knowledge that the market doesn't, based on your meetings and your being a senator and being part of some of the meetings that are going on in Washington, uh, all of a sudden it looks really uh, like a devious move or a fraudulent move because she is uh, selling her stock to people who don't have that information and buying stock from people who don't have the information about what's going to happen. Well, somebody always, somebody's always going to get information first, right? Mm-hmm. And because, uh, I mean, one of the interesting or more interesting comments that uh, Milton Friedman made, I don't know what, we were in some class and the stuff was boring, right? Thing is, the, the stuff he was teaching was actually really boring. It was massive, uh, it was uh, the theory of price. Price theory is exceptionally complicated mathematics and everything. And, and he was over the top on all of it. Nobody understood any of it. So <laughs> I sure didn't. <laughs> I have the book, Brendan, if you want to see it, it's pretty interesting. Uh, but he, so he could, you could knock him off topic. And somebody said, what do you think about uh, insider trade? And he said, you know, this is back when everything was open outcry, right? So you get to see the person you traded with. Uh, he said, why, why even try and police it? They're only going to police it against certain people and not everybody. So let people police it themselves, which I don't think, I don't think he would give that answer today in an electronic world where you can't figure out who you're trading with, right? But I, but he might, you know, I guess I have to go to the grave and ask the question, but, um, you, you, you do wonder, you know, all this supposed inside information that people that have, you know, I mean, s- claim they had, the first thing I'm thinking of, everybody knows that. <laughs> I mean, well, maybe, I mean, very, and once in a while, you know, there'll be, you know, some firm had a contract with, you know, Matty Weber's, uh, you know, automobiles or something for, <clears throat> for 50 years to provide radiators. And if all of a sudden Matty Weber called up and said, we don't want your stinking, you know, with radiators anymore, I suppose if you immediately ran and sold that stock, you could get ahead of everybody else. But, but by and large, Matty Weber already knows it. He might have told a million people. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's it's pretty hard. It, it, it's not like it doesn't happen. Uh, I would say a lot of what the Fed does, I would love to have information like that. But then if you give me the labor mm-hmm. numbers, yeah. the labor numbers, I, I don't know. I, would, I don't know if I'd ever make money on that. Um, you know, earnings on stocks, not so much the earnings, but if the uh, if you know the president's going to say the rest of the year is going to suck, well, yeah, I'd, I'd like that piece of information before the meeting. But I mean, there really aren't that many pieces of information, uh, that you can, that, that, you know, you're arrogant enough to think you're the only person who has it. You know, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, unless you're like really, really close. I mean, you know, one of my clients would say, you know, I don't know, we've had this over 30 years, but every, every time the person's wrong, hey, my buddy says, uh, we should, you know, should buy this stock, they got this new drug. Okay. You know, I got a guy who's told me this. Yeah, I got a guy. You know, and I'm thinking, okay, who's your guy? And, and I don't think any one of them ever worked out. You know, ever. How is that different? How is that different than going to the racetrack and asking a guy in line ahead of you going to the betting window? Yeah. Hey, which horse you got? Well, I, mean, I used to, when I went to the track. Of, well, for those that don't remember or don't care or don't know, the Sun Times used to actually put out a special edition for the track. It was a turf edition. Mm-hmm. Came out at what ten o'clock or so. So first thing you do mm-hmm. is you grab the Sun Times turf, turf edition, and while you're at the the newsstand, which of course was none of those anymore, you'd buy the Daily Racing form, right? So now you got two pieces of information. 
you go to the track and you bought the the red sheet and it was the red the red sheet and the, and the green sheet, right? So now you got four, and there's always some tout somewhere that's got his picks for the day. So you give that guy a couple of bucks just to keep him in business. Now you got if you didn't have five different picks for every race. <laughs> <laughs> so well, now what do I do? There's seven horses, and these, these idiots have picked five of the seven. Now what? And probably one of the other two are going to win, right? <laughs> but I mean, anyway. and, and you're always you're always looking for the inside information to give you the um, the, the long shot that's going to come in and make you rich so that you can retire on that one race. Yeah. So Brian, you're going to hang a little bit because uh, Joel unfortunately is deaf in the family. Um, in fact, his mom. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. His mom. Yeah, I'm able to hang around, and yeah. we can even talk about. Uh, that other uh, paragon of virtue, the Chicago Bears. Oh, God, yeah. SP Futures up 44, uh, NASDAQ up 182, pretty much right where we were down yesterday. Isn't this nice with the mirror image? Flip, flip. We'll be right back, Stacks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage health care costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630 401 
888-888-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. CognosHR, innovation in human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Stocks, jocks, Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello and welcome to Stocks and Jocks. I'm Tom Howe. Mr. Mel Weber on the board. S&P futures up 43. NASDAQ futures up 176. Dow futures up 329. So we're almost the... The, the mirror image of uh, the up to yesterday is down, although we were down roughly twice as much as we finished down yesterday, so we had a pretty big comeback during the day, so this is, uh, um, well, from where we were down, we're up like 9. Shanghai up 31, that's 0.9%, Hang Seng up 226, that's 1%. Hang Seng never seems to bounce back uh, as far as it's been down lately, though. They've been, uh, they've been one that's been getting hit around the world probably more than any uh, unfortunately for them. Over in Europe, we've got DAX up 164, 1% again, recovering. FTSE up 69, 1%. GAC around up 71, 1%. So right across the, right across the whole area over there is 1% up. Yesterday, Dow was down, like I said, 433, S&P down 52, NASDAQ down 188. Uh, bonds, 10 year were up 3 uh, basis points to 1.45. The Bund, uh, minus 0.33, again up 3 basis points. So we're having a uh, interest rates are down today and bonds, interest rates are up and bonds are down. Japan is, uh, positive one basis point to one, to almost, uh, point zero six. Oil, up a dollar twenty-four, but still not at seventy bucks. Getting close though, sixty-nine eighty-five. Rent up a dollar seventeen, seventy-two sixty-nine. Natural gas, unchanged at three eighty-four. Our bob up three cents to two twelve. We've got gold up, uh, two dollars and twenty cents, seventeen ninety-six. Trying to get over and stay over eighteen hundred, but doesn't seem to be able to do it. Silver, however, is a big move, up two percent, up forty-two cents, twenty-two seventy-two. I have some people in silver, so I guess that's good. Copper up three cents, four thirty-three, and we've got the uh, Bitcoin finally with a little rally here, twenty-three hundred, uh, twenty-three twenty-six up. It's forty-nine thousand two fifty-two is the whole number. Matty, what do you got for us? Uh, traffic, weather, sports. Dog bears. 38 minutes past the hour. Good morning uh, to everyone out there. We're off to a great start here uh, on the area expressways, roadways, and tollways. Absolutely no delays coming in on the Edens or Kennedy. Same for the Eisenhower and Stevenson. Southside expressways are looking good, too, as is Lakeshore Drive. We're off to a great start here. It looks like the holiday week has officially begun because uh, we have very light traffic volumes out there. No accidents to report. Off the expressways, it looks like... Uh, there's a closure up in uh, Skokie. The 3800 block of Oakton is closed uh, between East Prairie Road and Ridgeway Avenue due to uh, police activity. Apparently, there's reports of a smash and grab at a business uh, there that happened early this morning. I don't have any more details than that, but that has Oakton closed between East Prairie Road and Ridgeway Avenue up in Skokie. Everything else all quiet out there. Weather today, uh, very similar to yesterday. Uh, lots of sunshine. Temperatures above normal as we'll reach a high of 42. Right now it's clear and 34 degrees downtown. It's the winter solstice today, Chief. Uh, December 21st. I have to call my old, uh, my old dog walker and wish him it's his holiday. There you go. Shortest day of the year today and it's all, uh, uphill from here. Or is it downhill? I, I've never understood that saying. Well, if you're, uh, <laughs> if, you, if you, if you believe what, uh, Audrey believes, this is her, her happiest day of the year because now the days get longer. Yes. Uh, for our Phoenix listeners, overcast with a high of 69 today. Right now it's clear and 49. 
In sports, if you looked at the stats, you would think that the Bears won easily last night as uh, Justin Fields outpassed Kirk Cousins 295 yards to 87 yards. Uh, Dalvin Cook was held in check at just three yards a carry on 28 carries for 89 yards and no touchdowns. And the Bears defense held the Vikings to just 17 points. Uh, but uh, if you watch the game, you saw how inept the Bears are in every other category as they lost to the Vikings 17-9 to last night, turning the ball over three times and uh, compiling uh, eight penalties for, uh, I'm not, I don't even have the yardage in front of me, but let's just say probably near 100 yards, and a lot of those came on after third down stops where the defense would get a, a penalty. Uh, there was a couple phantom calls. There were some unsportsmanlike calls, including one on Matt Nagy. And uh, it bears a laugh, laughable joke of a season continues as they drop to four and ten after falling seventeen to nine. Fields was solid, uh, twenty six of thirty nine, uh, two hundred eighty five yards, uh, seven point three yard average, one touchdown, no interceptions. But he did uh, fumble the ball twice, losing one of the two fumbles. Uh, David Montgomery eighteen for sixty yards, uh, just three point three average, and he lost a fumble. Uh, and then. Uh, Demir Bird uh, lost a fumble as well on a muffed punt after uh, Jakeem Grant got hurt, which was a big loss. And uh, Bird not only lost that fumble on a punt, but he dropped a couple of key passes, including a fourth down conversion uh, deep in the red zone. The Bears had the ball inside the 20 five times uh, and only got three points out of it. So he's got what, hands like a seal? Not good. So uh, Bears uh, (laughs) season uh, winding down here with just uh, three games left, and it couldn't come any sooner. Monday Night Football, there was another game because of a COVID delay, and that saw the Raiders beat the Browns on a last-second field goal, 16-14 to in Cleveland. The Bulls have won their second straight after their COVID pause, uh, beating up on the Rockets last night, 133-118. to Suns were off. NHL announced that they are going to pause their season. Uh, after uh, two games tonight, they will go on pause, effective uh, tomorrow through Saturday, and then they plan, or at least hope, to start back up on Sunday. Uh, as they've uh, had to postpone 49 games so far due to COVID outbreaks. Lastly, college hoops. It was Northwestern blowing out Illinois Springfield. Never heard of that school. 90 to 50, and it was Notre Dame blowing out Western Michigan, 85 to 52. Chief, um, what is your mayor going to say today, Brendan? What's what what <laughs> what ridiculous what? is she going to come out with? He lives in Michigan. Who is his mayor? He still lives here. His Okay. Well, he's got a place. Look, I, I'm, I'm in Chicago this morning. We came back from uh, Colorado or Steamboat Springs, so I'm I'm here right now. We haven't gone back over Michigan yet. Um, but I watched the game last night, and it was pitiful. It was like uh, watching Pop Warner football to see the way that the Bears lined up, and um, and a lot of the guys dropped passes. I really have doubts about Cole Komet, and he needs some stickum or something when he's out there because he, he has not been looking good as far as hanging on the balls that he should catch. There are a lot of balls that the Bears uh, dropped that, they, that I think were catchable looking at the situation. Uh, they, there was one time on the fourth and one where they uh, it looked like they had three different plays going in there because of the way the guys lined up. Fields goes to, to make a handoff and there's no running back there and the receiver who was there in the backfield starts going out into the flat and and feels completely unprotected. Yeah, um, that fourth... I mean, it just was ridiculous. That fourth and one play was really an indictment on the coach. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It, it did look like all 11 guys were on a different... Uh, 
uh, sort of uh, play. And uh, and the, so not only was there no running back to hand the ball off to when Fields turned around, there was no receivers out in out in in routes. All the receivers were right yeah. around the line of scrimmage. So Fields looks up. Mm-hmm. There's no running back to hand the ball off to. There's no receivers to throw it to. And all of a sudden he's got four Vikings in his face. I mean that was that was so unorganized. The, a coach has to recognize that. Call a timeout. I know you don't want to waste a timeout in the mm-hmm. third quarter, but Jesus, I mean they are just. They well, are just nothing, how many people weren't playing because of the COVID? Well, that was, well, that's on both teams. When, when you look at when you look at what the NHL is doing by halting the season, you wonder about the NFL. How how non competitive can a team be when they're losing players? Uh, like uh, uh, some of the other teams are losing some of their quarterbacks and, and receivers. That puts them at a distinct disadvantage, uh, competitive disadvantage from the team they're playing against. Um, you know. I, I just don't understand that why why they can allow a team to play with so few players because of COVID. You know, you always take the risk that somebody gets injured during a game and you have to play without your star quarterback or running back or defensive end because of, of an injury. But for something like COVID, if you're on the COVID protocol, it really is harmful to the team if you're down five, ten, fifteen players. Um, and then, although surprisingly, the Bears' uh, defensive secondary was the one that was hammered really badly. They had five guys they brought up to play in the secondary, and those guys played pretty well overall. It wasn't them so much as, uh, as, as the regular players who have been around for a while, like, like Jenkins and the new the rookie lineman, was just horrible. First play of the game, he has a penalty. And he was on sportsman like penalty later on to try to protect fields, which um, you know showed some good spirit, but it was a bad timing play. Well, Brennan, where are we going to... Where are we going to go with this? Uh, the new the new COVID as we have. I'm I'm assuming as Maddie thinks that Lori's going to come out with the the vaccine mandate. You can't get into a bar without your vaccine card getting carded, which is what they're doing in New York. I talked to some people from New York yesterday. Everybody's got it. Everybody's got. It. I mean, virtually. I won't, I won't say everybody, but and uh, lady I talked to, her son's got it. Everybody she works with has got it. They're all home. Nobody's sick. And by the way, they all were vaccinated and they all had boosters. This thing is not this, this Omicron thing. It doesn't. It's it's helping. It appears again. I'm no doctor to be helping you out individually, certainly against the Delta in terms of how severe you get the disease. But it absolutely is showing no borders that whether you have. In some of the stuff I've read, the vaccine is down to twenty percent. Uh, you know, efficiency is whether or not you get it or not. So, what what are we doing? Making people? Why don't we just? Assume that everybody's going to get this in the next three or four weeks, and just work our way through it. The idea of—I you know, I mean, I know it's, it sounds trite, Brennan, but everybody has to be someplace. Okay, you can't be in a restaurant, but you can be home. Okay, what's passing at home? What? What's the difference? It's like the flu. It's like a cold. It's going. It's it's blowing through masks. It's blowing through everything. Why can't we just recognize that? Well, I think the idea is to to limit the contact with others while it's it's most virulent on stage. And, um, you know, from, from what I understand, uh, the, both the boosters and, well, the vaccines and the boosters do minimize the effect even if you catch it. Right, However, absolutely. The unvaccinated, well, the unvaccinated people who are, uh, contracting this are still going to the hospital right. and dying lesser numbers than they were before. But I think that, the, you know, the impact of hospitalizations is, is really big because, it takes away the services for those who are non-COVID patients. 
and overwhelms the healthcare system to the point where doctors and nurses and other healthcare providers aren't going to be available for the general public for non-COVID-related stuff. Well, let me ask so you this. trying to stop the spread. Okay, when I, when I got it, it was before anybody had the, uh, the vaccines. So and I wasn't even sure I had it because I had, like, no symptoms. And uh, so I went a week later, 10 days later, whenever they told me to come and got a blood test, and I had all the antibodies, right? So I knew I had it. Now, if you get a vaccination, then you test positive for this Omicron, and you have no symptoms. How do you how do you know you had it or not? Whether or not because there's a lot of false tests. Because if they, they test you, you're going to have antibodies from the vaccine. Mm-hmm. How do you even, I mean? How do you even know if you had it? I, I think the tests can show. Um, I, I don't know the answer to your question. I don't know how they decide that that you had Omicron or Delta, but. It seems like they do have ways of determining whether you're um, infected by Omicron or Delta. Well, sure, but it's an expensive test. That's an expensive test. That's not one you do with the local. Yeah. You're not doing that in your doctor's office. But, I mean, everybody's running around no, getting tested. But from what I'm, what I'm reading, and as a matter of fact, I'm listening to, what's his name? Uh, this is the guy uh, that's on the board of Pfizer. He's on all time. Got, got, is it Gottlieb? Gottlieb. Yeah. Got Gottlieb. He said in all these places, as he goes, it's going to be a three or four week run, like it was in the places in Africa, and they're already down on the on the downside of the curve. It's going through so fast; so many people are getting it. Uh, most most people aren't getting bothered by it very much. And by the way, it's going through so fast it'll it'll be over in a month. Um, why don't we just recognize that that's what's going to happen? I mean, it appears... Yeah, that is one option, but, but uh, you know, again, I think that the broader picture is what is that doing for people who do get it, even though uh, if you're not vaccinated, if you're not taking precautions, then you, there is a higher likelihood that you're going to the hospital. And if you go to the hospital, you're taking up services. Well, I, I agree. Uh, I don't agree. Be, I agree. Or it could be used for people who are non-COVID-related illness, whether it's car accidents or heart attacks or cancer treatments. Elective surgery, which, you know, is, is elective, but may be necessary for people to be mobile, like knee replacements or shoulder replacements or things like that. So, you know, I, I, it's a tough question, Chief. I, I understand what you're saying, but I think that, um, you, you do need to take some actions to try to limit what's overwhelming the healthcare system. Um, I don't, I guess I don't disagree. I don't know. At some point, you got to just say you're lo- you've, we've lost to this one, this Omicron. We can't. We're not. We're not winning. Just be thankful. It's not hard. It's not tougher on people. All right, but we got a day. Okay. I have a nice week. I'm, I would. Uh, I would have expected you. You had been sitting there with the Bear games when the side with the great unwashed outside. Outside in that nice cold weather. Well, you know, uh, we uh, we were just settling back in after being out in Colorado and Steamboat Springs, which was the first time that either one of us had been on a plane since this hit. We uh, we came back from a trip to Arizona last week. Well, next week let's talk about Steamboat. Well, next week let's talk about it because I, I used to go to Steamboat all the time. I want to see what's going on out there. SB Futures up 47. NASDAQ Futures up 143. Be right back. Mr. Kenny Polkari. 
Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed, and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Stocks, jocks, and jocks. Stocks and jocks. Right now, right here, right now, right now. Look at them yo-yos. That's the way you do it. You play the guitar on the MTV. That ain't working. That's the way you do it. Money for nothing in your cheeks free. Well, welcome back to Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tamari. Just my warm on the board. SP futures up 47. There's a futures up 193. We got a a flip from yesterday, um, and Kenny was a big buyer yesterday at noon, I hear, and now he's you know, he's selling this morning, and he's uh, going out to his yacht. Well, I will say, first of all, good morning to you, Mark. Right. I will say this. I was a buyer yesterday. I was not a seller in the middle of all that you know ridiculousness over COVID raging across the world and spreading like wildfire. They made it sound as if, you know, everyone was dropping dead in the streets. It's ridiculous. And so... Um, Yesterday, in fact, uh, I was a buyer, right? Now, I bought downside protection, but I still was a buyer. Um, and I added to, uh, I added to some of my other core foundational holdings, uh, like I've been telling you over the last couple of weeks, right? Because I think it was an opportunity. I think, uh, well, we don't, as you know, I don't do a lot for my, for my people, and we have a lot of clients, obviously, that do. Uh, and then some right. of the people that I, I, I work with, they have people that do a lot of stocks, but, I do more of the index index stuff, and uh, yep. when it's protected, we've been very very busy, Kenny. I mean, yesterday we were uh, we were rolling puts all day yesterday. I mean, we were, we had stuff we had stuff that was twenty bucks in the money for God's sake from the last yeah. three days. I mean, yeah. so we we roll those down, and now actually last night we looked at our positions, and we were we were really really pretty long because we brought all the puts down to you know essentially at the money when they were in the money. I mean, they weren't in the money right. a week ago. But all, I mean, you you go from out of the money to in the money, seemingly like you have lunch now. It was, I mean, it's unbelievable, isn't it? But the uh, so yeah, I mean, it, so all of a sudden this is this is working out just like it's a, just like we wrote it. But uh, how often does that happen? I mean, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it's uh, doesn't happen very often. So you got to you got to take it when you can get it. Well, that, that's the beauty of, of when you have now, Kenny. I'm not. You know, I'm gonna, I'm going to say what I think he's doing. If you have some protected puts on your stocks, okay. So what happens here? I'll be very brief with this. Technically, if you buy a stock, say you bought the spider at four sixty. Now that's you're buying the S and P five hundred ETF. Well, if you if you buy the the uh, the four sixty put to protect yourself, okay, and say all right, the worst that could happen is I got I can get to sell it to somebody at four sixty. Well, now your risk is what you paid for the put, right? So if all of a sudden the thing runs, now that's probably a a 50 delta put, all right? Now, I'm not going to be too technical, but what it says is if a stack goes down three bucks, that put's probably going to move a dollar and a half for you. 
but as you move further and further in the money, that put picks up delta. So you actually get a little bit more protection on the way down. But by the same token, if it's now goes from 460 to 430, the last thing you would have bought was the 460 put. You'd say, what am I doing here? So you, you made money on the put, but now you say, okay, if I'm doing it today, which is really how you should look at your positions, is if I was doing it this minute, what would it look like? And it, I got news for you. It very seldom matches what you have, right, Kenny? <laughs> the, uh, I mean, sometimes it does, but so you say, all right, what you end up doing is buying the 430 puts, selling the 460s, so you essentially get longer on the way down. So you're, you've set yourself up in advance to be a buyer below and a seller above, correct? So you actually, yeah. you, you're, not, you're not doing the whole position, but you're going from, you know, 20 deltas or 10 deltas long to, to 50 again. So you, you essentially are getting longer when it's down. So, but these are just routine adjustments. And more often than that, Kenny, I find that the routine adjustments, a lot of them are really good trades. A lot of them are what? Really good trades? Yeah, because, I mean, because, yeah. but, but on a day like yesterday, I mean, if, if you're, if you got a portfolio and all of a sudden you're down 2% and, and you have a lot of clients, I mean, you, I mean if you got a professional client like Kenny, you probably could get longer down there. But regular people, it's kind of tough when you're losing money to say, let's throw more at it, right? I mean, it's, it's not intuitively obvious, but if, if you just have a routine adjustment to the position, you essentially are getting a little longer without really any harm, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, not a lot of harm, correct. So I, gotta, I have to and believe now. You, if you're doing those routine adjustments and you're, you're managing your risk, uh, and then you end up in a position like you did yesterday, right? Where you right. just said, net-net, you, you ended up in a nice position, essentially long, and the market's up today. Right, but it's, it's totally different than being long you know, five futures and having them down a hundred points and saying, ah, I'm going to buy another five. Okay. That, that, that's right. a whole different, that's a whole different brand of ball. You've got, you've just out doubled up and you've got no protection anywhere, right? Right. Correct. Other than your opinion. And we know how that works sometimes. <laughs> so are you doing yeah, the, the whole, the way. so what, uh, what do you make of, uh, I was looking was some of the stupid stuff I do, uh, Kenny, I was looking at this, this Turkish thing. Um, yeah, you know their money supply was up uh, roughly thirty percent last year, and of course the leader doesn't understand why he's got inflation. So what was ours up? Right. Twenty? Was ours up twenty? Yeah, right. That's what it feels like for sure. Anyway, yeah, and uh, and that's what I'm concerned about. Right? Is that I don't think it's certainly not. Let's not let's not overdo it. It's not going to get like turkey five. Um, the, the, but the, essentially the theme is the same, right? Yeah. To keep growing the money supply, inflation is going to spin out of control, and you and I have had this conversation. My concern is that they're behind the eight ball, right? The Fed is behind the eight ball, and in order to get in front of it, that they're going to become much more hawkish in the new year, and by that I mean not saying, you know, we're going to raise rates. We already know that's happening, so that's off the table now as far as I'm concerned. What I'm afraid they're going to say is we're going to raise rates at a faster increment than what the market is expecting. So right now the market is expecting three-quarter of a point rate increases. I, I think where the danger lies is that when they when he when he gets his final vote, now he's in for the next four years, and you have to worry about it. He gets much more hawkish, and then the conversation is going to turn around to be, look, we underestimated this. This is stronger than we expected. We're going to raise rates fifty basis points. You know, at least the first time to see how it handles it. I think that's when the market gets even more anxious and more uh, and more nervous, right? And that's where I think the turbulence is going to come from. But Kenny, how? Why do you? Uh deal with the idea that last week all they did was tell you how much more hawkish they're going to be, yet they poured $90 billion on the balance sheet. Well, 
Right. Well, listen, because they, you're correct. They're still putting $90 billion in LG, But that's what that's what's going to start to come off now in uh, January and then in February. Look, they're talking about wanting to finish the paper by March, which means they're going to cut and cut and cut in three months. So that $90 billion that they did last month is not going to be there in January. It's going to go to 60 and then it's going to go to 30 and it's going to go to zero. That's where I think you're going to... And then we're going to start to talk about getting more hawkish on rates, and that's where I think you're going to get the turbulence out. That doesn't mean you'll panic and sell everything, and oh my God, and you'll stick your head in the sand. No, not at all. Um, but it means you should be prepared for that turbulence and then set yourself up to either either protect yourself in that environment or get ready to back the truck up, because I do think, long term, I still think that the market's okay. I, you know, could we get the short-term correction? Absolutely. Well, uh, I guess... When when we guys talk about uh, transparency, whenever somebody says that, I, I know he's going to lie to me. I just I just know it. Uh, how? Uh, it's but it's so true. It, it is so true. It's like uh, with all due respect, you're a bleep. <laughs> you know? well, listen, how many months did they think they want to be transparent? Want to be transparent? Inflation is transitory, and then suddenly they go, uh, maybe we made a mistake. It's not so transitory. Damn right, we all knew it wasn't transitory. Why you would tell us it was transitory? Well, why, no, I guess my question is, in terms of pinning these guys down, which is real hard to do, because the, the newspaper pe- or the press never will, because they want to be in the in the news conference. But when they say they're they're dropping the taper, they're talking about the hundred and thirty billion dollars of asset purchases, other other than their normal, um, you know, open uh, uh, debt. Correct. So they really have not committed. To a less of an increase in the money supply at all, have they? Well, I, you know, I, 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 I guess that's how you define it. If they're going to take away the 130 or 140 billion that they were putting in every month, that's got to do something to take away some of the money supply growth. But yes, are they completely walking away from it? No, not at all. But that's, I would view that as part of kind of normal Fed, uh, Fed policy, right? In order to keep the markets functioning the way they do. But, I have to believe that they pull back on the 140. That you have to start to think that you know they're starting to pull back on the on the growth on the money supply growth. Well, Maybe that, I'm wrong. You might know better. Well, no, I, 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 I let's put it this way: if they were transparent, I would yep. believe that. But I think they're not. I think they're, they lie wow. like a, as my mother right. used to say: they lie like a rug. They, right. I, I, I wouldn't be a bit surprised if they cut back on 30 mortgage buying. And just buy more ten years, another thirty billion there. I don't right. think that. I don't think they're right. If they right, so if they if they take out of the left pocket, put it in the right pocket, then you're right. But if they if they do what they say they're going to do, and I guess that's that's the right. That's the question, right? That's the argument. Are they really going to do what they say they're going to do? Are they going to are they going to make it look like they're pulling back over here when really they're stuffed in the box on the other side around the corner that they're not telling anyone about? I guess that's what we're going to find out. Yeah, I mean, and, and as far as I'm concerned, they didn't get a, a very good start on that with a 90 billion week last week. Yeah, well, but listen, the 90 billion, I, I get it, but I don't think anyone should be surprised because two months ago it was 140 billion, so then it went to 120. Now it's going to 90. Next month it should go to 60 if they do what they say they're going to do, and then by the end of February it'll go to 30, and then March is going to be over. If if, in fact, they hold to the plan that they announced that they were going to do, right? Pull back completely on, on the COVID uh, stimulus program and be done with it. And then and then that's where I think you're going to see them turn. Because by then, he's going to get elected or he's going to get reappointed in January, right? The Senate will vote on Jay Powell in January. Once he's now secure in his seat again, 
that's when I think, look, he's got another four years. He's got to be 72 in, in four more years. Do, does he really want another term after that? If he does, God bless him. I think he's ready to say, see you later. I'm out. Well, but, yeah. And at that point, then he can say and talk as he wants. Well, how, how old is Jenny Yellen? 95? Yeah, well, listen, <laughs> uh, yes, I hear you. Jenny Yellen must be 95. I get it. But, you know, she probably doesn't have anything to do with her life other than be on the Treasury and be involved in the government at, at her age, which is fine. I respect her. I think she's, you know, I think she's a brilliant woman. But at some point, you gotta you got to give it up, right? I think she owes the people who gave her the $7 million. She can't quit. <laughs> I, you know, Kenny, I can't get this. I can't get the South Side out of me. When you get seven million dollars for people, they, 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 they you owe them something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. All right, buddy, yeah. take care of yourself. Hey, you're gonna you gonna, you're gonna flip everybody the you flipping everybody the next week or we're not on. Uh, we're in next week. Yeah, but are you flipping everybody the fish recipes? I already flipped them the fish recipes. I started on December first. I gave you for seven days straight. I gave you the seven fish recipes. Now I'm giving you some of the dessert recipes. Right. I just gave you potatoes and eggs this morning for Christmas morning breakfast. So yeah, I keep giving them to you. All right, but now we're talking. Now we're talking. All right, take care of yourself. SP Futures <laughs> up 43. Days. If Futures up 176. Be right back. We have Jeff. We have Jeff Joseph next. Good. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time decay for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Hear ye, hear ye! The Homer Broadcasting System is on the air! Stocks, jocks, Stocks and jocks. You are out of control! Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. There's something happening here. Well, we're back, Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tamales, Mr. Miller, over the board. SP Futures up 42. NSA Futures up 174. So we're bouncing back. We were down, uh, I'm going to say 80-something. This Futures yesterday, and we came back to be down maybe uh, 39. And now we've made up the other part. We're pretty much exactly where we were, I'm going to say, Friday night. So how's that? How's that, Jeff? You're right back where we were. I'm glad I'm right back. Yeah, we're... Good morning, Chief. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm doing all right. Uh... I was uh, paying some bills this weekend, and uh, boy, the uh, I can't I can't get over some of the the prices on some of the stuff. Now this morning on the way in, they just raised the cost to get a a passport, even though you can't go anywhere uh, for t- twenty bucks more. So that's another shot the government needs, right? So everybody work for home, yeah. and the passports for what a year and a half. There are two million passports behind, and now they want to charge more. There were how many behind? How many? They were, they were, they were like two million behind, weren't they, many or something? At one point, evidently working. I have not mentioned that. that that's on my short list for things to do. So I'm you know what, though, I, well. I sent mine in and I, I got it back pretty quick. 
there, I sent it in for the, uh, uh, what, what the, you can send it to a different place if you want to go faster. It's an extra 20 bucks or something. And I got it maybe. Yeah, the, um, not too long ago, the president announced that he was, um, upgrading the passport process and speeding it up. Is that, is that already in effect or no? I don't know, I guess. I, but I, uh, you know, plus they, they wanted you to send it, uh, by registered mail, which I didn't because I didn't want to walk over to the post office. So I was wondering, are they going to lose all this stuff? Because how would you get, you know, you got to send them your old one and everything. And, uh, yeah. as soon as they cashed the check, I at least knew they, they had it. And I got it, I got it like a week or two later. It wasn't bad, wasn't bad at all. I was oh. surprised because I, I, uh, because where are you going to go? You're not going to go anywhere. <laughs> right? <laughs> That's right. Well, when you get anything back from the government a week or two later, that's, that's a good sign. Well, then under separate thing, like a week or maybe four weeks after that, they sent me all my old stuff back, you know, with the holes in it. I don't I guess, I don't know what you do with that, but I guess I'll keep it, throw it out. I don't know what you do with it, but. So, all I know is I don't look as good as I did ten years ago, but, you know, I knew that. Just saying. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> anyway, uh, that part of government's at least working, but I, I think it's uh, kind of percolating its way through pretty good, uh, Jeff. I don't, I don't hope it. I know my uh, nephew was out looking for a car, or looking for a Honda. They want four thousand over list. That's a lot. So you, you're saying it's not transitory? Right? Uh, no, God, no. Okay, just the clue, right? I mean, uh. Yeah, you know, it occurs as, as I'm seeing the, uh, this overwhelming shortage on the speed test. And the president's announcement, uh, this morning, you know, they're going to provide, uh, these three rapid tests, uh, another five million, I believe. Um, I'm not sure how we missed that. We sort of saw that, that, that coming in terms of uh, an obvious investment. I was getting inundated with stuff about this new uh, variant, right? And it, it is it is so different from the other ones. Uh, it's 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 amazingly contagious. Uh, if you have the vaccines, it only it only stops like twenty percent of the people from get contracting it. I don't think masks make a bit of difference. Uh, it, you know, but yet it seems to be going so fast that. In, in certain areas, they're already on the back part of the curve. Three, four weeks, and it just and it buzzes through a whole area. It's like it's like an amazing flu or cold, but it's 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 nowhere near as virulent. And uh, they've only had like one or two deaths in, or anywhere with it, um, it's, which is which is terrific. It's, it's you know it's like the it's like the nineteen eighteen variant now that comes through an area and everybody gets it, and, but it's it's uh, now our guys our people seem to be using the exact same weapons they used 18 months ago to me it looks like a totally what didn't have the name COVID on it you would think it's a totally different disease where, where am I wrong here I mean it's I mean there's, there's no way you're stopping this I mean the idea that you're going to run home you're just going to infect people at home I and mean, it's it looks like something that's let's just chill for three weeks and it'll be over I mean uh, are we reaching that stage or is that just me well, you would think that would be considered a good sign and something that would be acknowledged, but, yeah, I mean, 75 or 70 million cases now are Omicron, and at the same time, there's been zero evidence, in fact, evidence to the contrary, that it is uh, any more virulent in, in any way, or, or lethal, or lead to more hospitalizations, uh, and certainly not more deaths, so it's probably been something that's some sort of Jeff, you have to move, move, move to a different. You're breaking up. Can you move? To, that we hadn't contemplated. Can you move to a different spot? You're kind of breaking up. You're in the wrong spot in the room. 
Nope. We can barely hear you. Oh, I'm sorry about that. How about now? That's better. Much better. Right. Well, uh, so so the bottom line being that despite its, um, it being more contagious, it's certainly proven not to be any more lethal. That to the contrary, it's, a, it's shown to be less lethal. So, so maybe this is a backwards way at achieving herd immunity that no one really contemplated. That you know, finally a, a variant comes along that infects everybody, but is no longer has the same impact. Well, the uh, one of my uh, well, she's been on the show before. Her son lives in New York. I think he works for one of the big finance companies. I don't know which one. If I did, I wouldn't say. But he said everybody's got it. Nobody's sick. I, everybody's got true. it. And, uh, and he's, he's by the way, they've all they've all been vaccinated. And they all they all got boosted. Yeah, yeah. And being uh, vaccinated and boosted, I'm sitting in a West Loop hotel right now because my wife and daughter have it, and I'm, uh, my, my wife and son. And I'm with my my daughter right now just to get away from them for no good reason just you know, just to, to the state house etc but you can't avoid it it's everywhere you know? yeah I mean I think it's everywhere uh, an entire high school um, yeah, I, I know my son does is completely um, you know everyone there has it there's, there's no one there's nobody who doesn't so it's out there it's out there at a bad time so good should be accountable uh, people want to be you know want to be shopping and purchasing preparing for the holidays not to mention the just the pure cost of uh, pandemic fatigue that kicks in now, taking in the second room of holidays. Um, and uh, I'll bring it back to all of it. just in, in no way is this good for any sitting administration. Well, I, you know, I, I mean, some, sometimes we forget because of the, the media, etc. we forget that Trump is cruising to the next victory. It's very little question at some point. Uh, the way the economy was going and the way things are going in general, um, what things look like for him when COVID kicked in. Uh, that was the beginning of the end for him, and I can't imagine any administration to survive what is now, you know, more deaths now than the could even last year. So. Um, Jeff, you, you had, uh, I suspect, I'm not, I'm not suggesting, but I suspect at some point, since you take on these uh, difficult issues, uh, what do you? What do you? Is, is somebody going to end up writing some sort of a summary of? Uh, it's probably going to be how many PhD theses, all the stuff that you know. People come on the show, and, and well, not just people on the show, but people send me stuff. Do you think anybody really estimated? I, I mean, I, 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 don't, I for one don't like being alone. I like I come and doing the show, and I, the idea of uh, being retired would would <laughs> I wouldn't stay retired very long. I'd find something to do, but I the the idea of. Uh, Everybody being either at home or alone or something for the last eighteen months—that w- what it's done to people. I mean, uh, I mean, Carl talks about uh, how many more people are dead this year above expectation than last year. Uh, my, uh, my significant other just sent me a thing yesterday that now the fentanyl deaths between people sixteen and forty-five last year were like the, like the leading was it the leading cause of deaths or closer? I mean. How could that even be, be possible? And, and, and I, my uh, significant other went to visit one of her friends in a nursing home. They're still not letting people eat in the main dining hall, and they're still giving you like stuff in, in plastic to eat. You can't you can't socialize with anybody. Jeff, what, I mean, we, we should we should be learning after eighteen months how social animals people really are. And boy, you can really mess people up by by. I mean, I'm not saying there isn't a disease 
that would cause you to, to mess with that for a long period of time. But we, we really hope we've learned that it better be really quite a disease it, it, because the, the after effects and the, and the, and the, the price to be paid is, I, I would put it this way, I don't think I could have estimated it, but I'm looking at every place I look right now, that, that price is way higher than anybody ever thought. I think. What, what, well, what you... it, it's way higher than as we're measuring it in in deaths. Um, that that's not really the measurement, and that's what you're getting at here. It's that there's a higher toll that society has taken is taken, and you see it. Uh, you mentioned a couple of them. Certainly, first of all, we lost an entire senior class with one out of every hundred, you know, uh, seniors uh, uh, dying. Remember the average age the first year of COVID. The average age of death of the disease was greater than the average life expectancy. So we were definitely, um, you know, on the fat tail in terms of uh, where mortality existed. Uh, that that's changed now, and the impact is it's brought down the average global life expectancy. So for the first time ever in in more than thirty years, life expectancy has gone down in the U.S. and globally. And that's because of the impact of COVID. You mentioned uh, increased dependence on drugs, and none of these things are anecdotal. There's increased, um, you know, uh, uh, issues with anxiety and depression. We've lost uh, two years of learning, particularly with STEM and, and, and young, young adults and in high school. Uh, so the, the toll's going to be, it, it, it keeps on continuing to add up. And it, it isn't just measured in deaths, and I think that's one of the mistakes that we're making in society with them, looking at these larger, larger impacts. Well, the uh, kids, um, there are, there's a whole class of kids who haven't seen people with, without masks on, right? I mean, so we'll, we'll figure that out, but um, there, there isn't enough attention to that right now. And, and, it, and it gives a lot of credibility to those who are, who are saying, hey, look, you know, we're, we're going to have to look at the larger social costs here, and uh, you know, keep businesses open or keep keep things in motion because well, if we go back into another lockdown phase, the psychological costs are are, are as great as some of our you know mortality costs. Well, at the, at the end of the day, so it's it's a fair argument. At the end of the day, I and mean, this is not like I said, I think these costs are higher than I certainly would have expected. But at the end of the day. When you look at the the not just not the effect then, but, well, I mean, let's face it, kids were kids were told to stay home because the teachers didn't want to get infected. It had nothing to do with the kids. That's right. Yes. I mean, and yes. so so you have my uh, I guess I'll call her my niece, uh, my nephew's wife. I guess she's my niece, right? Uh, she teaches math in one of the you know the near near Chicago Southwest uh, suburban districts, and she goes the the discipline issues and just. Uh, not so much listening to the teacher, but the amount of fights, the amount of arguments among kids. It's like it's like people have to learn to walk down the hall together and not bump into people and get pissed off. I mean, it, the, the you know it's it's the entire learning curve of how to deal with people has been set back. It's not it's not just they're behind on their calculus. Mm-hmm. And uh, and she, she goes, I, I give the first test. We thought the kids, you know, the smarter kids, at least did as well as home. Finally, I told everybody, you got to put your calculators in the corner and leave your book over there. And I gave them a test. She goes, they all flunked. Everybody's been cheating. You <laughs> <laughs> have at home. You got two computers going. What you got? The, your your problems are your answers are coming up on the other computer. But she goes, everybody, even the smart kids are so far behind. I and mean, anybody's kidding themselves if they aren't. I mean, you wonder at the end of the day, 
Um, if we had to do it all over again, we would just say, look, everybody go to school, everybody get it. You know, I mean, maybe before the vaccinations, probably not. But I, I, I mean, there is, I mean, but, but it's, you know, it's like a war. There's a million mistakes in a war. At the end of the day, if you win, you can't go back and fix all the mistakes, right? But at least you try not to do it again the next time. Well, the, you're, you're speaking to another inequity that is, has yet to be accounted for and declassified completely. And that's the difference between the uh, scholastic achievement uh, and perhaps the sociological achievements of, of high school age um, kids in Catholic schools versus those that are lower also, including lower and upper elementary, versus uh, those in public schools because those schools continued. So I, I look at my own children's peer group and I look at uh, the Viola, which continued to have in-person classes throughout the uh, pandemic, but never stopped, never ceased. Maybe there was a, uh, a month or, or, or two at best where they suspended in-class uh, teaching, but they proceeded. So many, many private schools have, haven't missed a beat, um, particularly those parochial ones. Uh, so there'll be there'll be some analysis of, of that to be coming, and that's going to speak more to a, a cultural divide, an inequity, uh, you know, an education divide that can never be recaptured because those kids continue to have the benefit of in-class learning. Uh, we know now that nobody's learned anything in Zoom learning and remote learning, and uh, we have a lost generation that is yet to be quantified. But everybody got paid. Everyone got paid, and uh, you know, I, it's 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 kind of. I've uh, we, even Mister even Mister Maddie, who's a uh, does a great job for his in his other job, and while he and his wife have been working from home, and I know a lot of people have, but it's scary to me that where people say I I, I can't, I don't want to go back to work. They they have, some of them have a side hustle. They got, I mean, just getting everybody back together. It, it's a. I don't know if you knew people when you were when I I know you knew people when you were younger, but I knew some people when I was younger that got, got laid off and then they ended up getting like you know they bartend a couple of days a week or they're doing this or they're working on this. And after about six months, Jeff, there's no way on God's earth that they could they could they could fit an eight hour workday into their quote routine. You know, you I mean I, I got to take the dog out twice. I don't have a dog walker. I can't go back to work. I mean, or or, or my kids. I, only, I cut down to the the, the uh, babysitter, whatever you want to call it. Uh, she only comes two days a week. She used to come five. I don't want to pay her the other three. I want to be home the other three. I mean, it's amazing what what can what can cloud in. I mean, people have a lot of stuff they do in their life, uh, but it it it's it's the the you know, the people who have been home don't want to come back to work and the people that have worked every day going what are you bitching about everybody else been work what's the matter with you I mean, it is, I mean you don't get that sort of uh, but one thing I, I want to uh, as I was doing some stuff this weekend and, and I'm trying to keep track now of, of what, I, what I paid versus a year or two ago I did, and, you know, this idea of people trying to buy cars is, is really I mean I, my nephew you know, he said well you know was, was, was his wife's and she wants she loves that brand and uh I said, look, she's earned it. It's her money. I mean, you know, but I, I said, just be careful because the the day somebody, if you if you drive it home and somebody steals it, or if an asteroid lands on it, your insurance company, you better call your insurance company and say, the list on this thing's thirty. I just gave them thirty four. If something happens, what are you going to pay me? I'll bet the number is like thirty five. 
Or, or, or less. I, I mean, I, I don't know how you, I don't know how you can do that, Jeff. I mean, just on a, on a, on a, a personal equity type of thing. I mean, I, I was I, well. <coughs> we, we we've been looking at this issue over a lock box and actually contemplating a, a broader coverage on it. But one thing that our early research has shown is that if, from a, in terms of financial mistakes, in, in the same way we analyze a given market, right? It should be buying in at this level, buying this market. But one thing is pretty clear: you just shouldn't be buying the current right now. The only thing you know is that it levels substantially higher than any sort of historical average. And maybe um, this is by peak prices. They could not buy their house, but, but the, the relative value uh, compared to a purchase two years ago of the same vehicle is so distinctly far off. Deep double digits uh, just makes no sense to purchase uh, a, a car today. Well, I was. Uh, it's, not, it's not clear what it's going to be like six months from now. There's no reason to suggest that supply chain issues, chip issues, aren't going to be any different. Well, I just, I'm very thankful that you guys are doing stuff like this because even though I think the people who work for your magazine are reasonably successful, I'm not saying you're one percenters or anything, but uh, you, you seem to have a, a, a view, not shared by many, by the way, that, that have control of the news or the TVs or the radios, most of the people that are on there, I, I think, and this is not a shot, this is just a fact, are are somewhat well-to-do. I mean, if you're, if you're on CNBC, you're making half a million a year, at least minimum, I'm guessing. The, you have no idea how, when I say you, I mean them, not you personally, you have no idea how the, the new healthcare, the new healthcare world affects regular people. And if I were to go on, if they ever asked me, I don't know if I'd go anyway, but if I was ever asked on one of these panels, if I were to say something like, you don't, you don't quite get that, in, in my opinion, I mean, I've, and I've, uh, been studying this my whole life, inflation, it could be considered the cruelest tax of all. I don't think, does, does anybody have any idea what I'm talking about when I say that? You do, I think, but, I mean, the, I mean, uh, I mean, I've got, you know, people here, to do some work for me and other people. I mean, I, I always got guys, you know, Jeff, because I like helping them out. If, they're, if there's a carpenter and somebody needs something done, I'll say, hey, I know a guy, and they try and hook him up. Somebody needs a kitchen done, I'll try and find him somebody that I trust. You know, so that's, that's what makes the economy go, right? Uh, but, I mean, the, the, the horror on these people's face with a $13,000 deductible or something uh, and our hospitalization, if the kid gets hurt or the wife gets sick and they're contemplating a... You know, a visit to an ER room or something. The the the, the idea I mean, that's going to be five grand. No, nobody's got that, Jeff. Nobody's got. It. Nobody can write that check. That that in in the normal uh, eight, the, the lower eighty percent of the population, nobody can write that check tomorrow. They could they could put it on a credit card, maybe. We're we're going to pay twenty percent on it for the next five years. But I mean, th- how this has impacted people is. To me, is is scary the the lack of attention being paid to it. I mean, the idea that you know the, the same person is, who's now supposed to be happy to work for twelve dollars an hour instead of ten now has to pay ten grand for a junkie used car. I mean, really? I mean, and, and not to mention the parking tickets. I, I mean, it's does that, I mean, you guys have made a stab at this, and I think you're about to make another stab. But wh- how how just the knowledge if you just if you didn't if you didn't if you didn't have your eyes open and see it affecting people 
you wouldn't hear about it at all, would you? And that's that's actually it's, it's a really good point. There isn't any if you think about what our media is focused on, it's more about partisan political you know, arguments and, and less about issues that really and that everything's due to a very, very binary line. You know, it's good or bad, left or right. Um and and there is no look at these deeper issues that are really impacting people. I mean, so I, and I think that's all what's happening. I think that's a sort of trend where the media is being discounted um, very much more so than ever. I don't think anyone at this point, unless you're really, you know, really drinking from the fire hose of CNBC and MSNBC or Fox News, and if that's, if that's how you... Uh, Taking your media on a daily basis, you maybe you're oblivious to what the reality is, but but that's not reality. And uh, you know, our media came to a decision a long time ago that uh, you'd rather have 50 percent of the populace that's very engaged than 100 percent of a of an audience that's very fragmented and and partisan. So they speak to their their audiences. It's a business decision, and and their news and their media and their perspective and their slant is all built with that in mind. And um, you know that's that's what we're getting now. We're getting a focus on hot button issues, red meat issues, and we're not getting uh, any real discussion of issues or solutions. And that's that's by that's the economics of media. Just and and it says a lot about who we are as a society now because of short attention span to, to actually look into issues and you know, as opposed to finding something that they love or hate. Everything has to be an extreme emotion and, and nuance is truly, truly lost in most in most discussions. You know, the the cover of the next issue of Love Box, which is at the printer right now, and this will come out in about four or five days, it has a an illustration of uh, Ocasio Cortez, Mansion uh, Rand Paul and Ted Cruz playing together from one page of music in a band, and, and and they're not doing a good job of it, and that's clear by the illustration. And it's a it's a deeper question that we're looking at. It's something called collaborative uh, or adversarial collaboration. Uh, Daniel Kahneman, uh, you know, the behavioral psychologist, Phil Tellot, the man who wrote Super Forecasters, uh, started advocating for this method of conflict resolution and perspective resolution years ago. It hasn't caught steam because there's no there's nobody that's interested in actually finding ways for adversaries to collaborate uh, for either policy-making decisions or for increasing predictive analytics or forecasting. But that's what we focus on in this next issue is how to take people with extreme viewpoints and have them sit together and come to mutual consent solutions. Um, and again, these are admittedly the types of issues that have a narrow audience because most people don't think that way. They'd much rather, you know, that's why Ocasio Cortez has millions of followers, and that's why Joe Manchin's in the news every day because he's a hot button story or Rand Paul or, or whatever. But they're preaching to their bases, and no one's trying to find if there's any common element among them that could actually result in some sort of, you know, substantive achievement that the four of them could point to. Um, we're going to go break. Jeff, when we come back, uh, hold that thought. 
because I have a couple of questions on where you're going on that. SP Futures up 39.50. Nasdaq Futures up 166. Been there pretty much for it all morning, right in this area. Be right back, Stocks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know all while exploring how to live your best life through music spirits food sports travel fitness and a whole lot more luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures it's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into wall street's investment gurus it's for mavericks who believe in life luxury and the pursuit of happiness it's for you smart investors don't bet on possibilities they play the probabilities luckbox is 7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. At PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of Home Source Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks, jocks, and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello, don't break stocks and jocks. Now, Tom, I'm Mr. Moore on the board. SP Futures up 4150, 4150 right now. As that futures up 176, we've been here virtually all morning. Actually, uh, I'm going to say we were up 25. Man, I had to keep checking the market to watch the bear game. It was a little too boring to watch the game. But uh, anyway, uh, just saying. I'm just glad I didn't go. I'm glad nobody invited me. Uh, I would probably would have to say no. I'm just saying. Nikkei up 579, 2%. Shanghai up 31.9%. Hang Seng up 226, 1%. So we're we're up everywhere. DAX up 170, 1.1%. FTSE up 72, 1%. Back around up 75, 1.1%. There's no, nobody disagreeing here. Everybody's up. It's, it's very rare. 
Yesterday, we were down 433 in the Dow, 52 in the S&P, NASDAQ 188. Like I said, just about where we are up today. Uh, bonds, up almost four basis points to 1.45 on the 10-year, so bonds are down. The bonds are down. The rate's up. Uh, Bund is a positive 0.04 as well to minus 0.32. Uh, Japan is up uh, point one, or one basis point to point zero six. Uh, oil, uh, rallying, but still can't get over seventy. We've been below seventy now for a few days. That's up a dollar six to sixty nine sixty seven. Brent up ninety eight cents seventy two fifty. Natural gas unchanged three eighty three. That's been the story of the year. That thing is from over six to under four like two or three times. That's I mean that's got to be the commodity story of two twenty twenty one. Arbob up two cents uh, to two eleven. We've got gold up 530, 1799.90. Can't get much closer to 18 without going through it. Silver up 45 cents, 2275. Copper up 3 cents, 433. And we've got Bitcoin up 2000 to 48,942. Maybe I don't think I've ever had a day in, in a long time where every single one of my positions is going the right way. What happened? I love it. I've been, I mean, I'm almost like, is there an asteroid heading for us or what? I mean, it's like, how often does that happen? Just saying. 36 minutes past the hour. Good morning once again to everyone out there. Uh, still off to a great start here on a Tuesday morning. Absolutely no delays to report on any of the area expressways. No accidents, no stalls, and no uh, high traffic volume. So it should be a nice, easy commute as you're heading into downtown. Off the expressways, we still have that one closure up in Skokie. Oakton Street between East Prairie Road and Ridgeway Avenue is closed. Uh, due to reports of a smash and grab at a business on the 3800 block of Oakton that took place uh, overnight. Uh, But everything else is open and clear out there. Weather today, speaking of clear, it's going to be another uh, beautiful day here as we uh, enter late December. Partly cloudy skies with a high of 42. Right now it is mostly cloudy and 35 degrees downtown. Should see some sunshine later on and temperatures about 7 degrees above normal, so we'll take it. For our Phoenix listeners, lots of clouds today and a high of 69. Right now it's uh, mostly clear and 50. In sports, as we talked about a lot in the first hour, the Bears uh, sort of dominated the game in certain areas as far as yardage and time of possession and moving the ball up and down the field and red zone chances, but couldn't put the ball in the end zone. Turnovers, bad penalties, drops, and the like uh, led to a 17-9 home loss last night to the Vikings on Monday Night Football. Bears are now 4-10. and 10. The other Monday Night Football game was delayed uh, due to COVID, and it saw the Raiders uh, beat the Browns on a last-second field goal in Cleveland, 16-14. to 14. NBA basketball, Bulls with no problem uh, blow, uh, blowing out the Rockets last night, 133-118. to 118. The NHL announced that they are pausing their season effective tomorrow, Wednesday, through Saturday, the Christmas holiday, and then they hope to resume on Sunday as they've had to postpone 49 games so far due to players uh, testing positive for COVID. Uh, so this pause for a few days is, uh, I guess, hoping to sort of play catch-up there. College Hoops, Northwestern blew out Illinois Springfield 90-50. to Notre Dame blew out Western Michigan 85-52. Chief. Uh, Jeff, you were, you were saying before the break, I mean, uh, this has been kind of a, a theme of the week. That's why I was very happy when I heard your, your tones on the, on, the, on the phone this morning. Um, this, this bill, it's not, it's not getting passed. Well, first, let me, let me back up a hair. Uh, when you, when you talked about, uh, you know, people being, uh, you know, not necessarily looking at all levels of society when you say things are going good or not. That's the same thing. I think that's not, that's happened before. I, 
probably read this book, Freedom of Fear, which is one of the best books I've ever read by uh, William Kennedy. And if you go back and look at the numbers from the 1920s, you know, and I always say, hey, look at the numbers. Well, if you look at those numbers, it looks like everybody's doing fine. In the Roaring Twenties, I mean, hence the name, uh, all that stuff. And yet, he drew a picture that roughly 75% of the economy was in recession and probably 30% was in depression for the entire decade. That the numbers clearly favored the top 5 or 10%. The people were buying the expensive cars and those kinds of things, but the rest of the people were just not brought with them at all. So right now, especially with the inflation that I'm going to say that is intentionally put on the society, not only do you get problems with people, but you've totally blurred the numbers. If you're going to go by just the numbers, of course it looks like Home Depot's having a great year when they raise the price of everything 30%, for God's sake. You can't, you can't even tell whether, whether, whether the numbers are good or bad because of what you just did to them. And, uh, I don't know if that was part of, part of the, uh, the plan or what, uh, uh, Jeff. But now, but now your point right before the, the break, we were talking about, uh, Cortez and, and Cruz and those people. I was listening to Dick Durbin, right? I read what he was saying the other day regarding this bill not going forward. And he said, well, you know, now kids are not going to get insulin, uh, that they can afford. I'm going to say, Jeff, and you probably know way more than me, uh, that there's a hundred things in this bill that no one would oppose. And there's probably a hundred things in this bill that if you dropped them in front of a normal citizen and saw how much, you know, you know, somebody we don't like is getting, you know, some five, five G contract for outer Mongolia that nobody cares about and he's going to make 90 bazillion dollars. Everybody would say, cut that one out of there. And, and yet, you would, you would think that if this thing blows up, that a month from now or three weeks from now, the hundred things in there like the insulin for kids would come through on a bill that is passed by everybody. But it never will. Why, why, who, who is so much in charge that says, look you bleeps, if you don't give me my piece, none of this is going forward. Why, why doesn't somebody, why doesn't Jeff Joseph, you know, junior representative from Idaho, come in the next day and put a bill through for the 20 items in, in there that he says that nobody will have a problem with, and bingo, you got a bill. Why, why won't that happen, Jeff? Well, that was, that was the argument uh, as part of the little position at the outset here, is that the, the progressive side of the Democratic, um, uh, the, 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 of the Democratic uh, constituency wanted to see everything bundled together in the bill because they knew that some of the individual asks and some of the individual legislations that were purely progressive uh, clauses would not have the broader support to pass on their own. So that's what this question has been from the outset. And then, remember, the whole idea was that it was going to be one vote for two pieces of legislation, the Reconciliation Bill and the Infrastructure Bill. And then uh, Manchin, who dug his feet in, said, now let's treat this as two separate bills. You might remember squad members uh, led by Cortez who most at the outset of this, that the it should be one vote. And when they saw that was going nowhere, and particularly it was based on the, the likely political calculations of what the political future would be, coming back to your statement and passing an infrastructure bill, uh, they were separated and treated like that. But but to your point, those even those bills, the reconciliation bill, has 
hundreds of things. And yes, your your analysis is right. There's childcare credits. There's there there's a there's a, a bunch of things that that would have sixty seventy percent overwhelming support uh, that, that should be passed. Congress works. You know, it goes back to the whole idea of the line item veto, which was advocated for years until people realized just. You know, that's just not the way Congress works. It's all it's all horse trading. And let me throw this in if you approve this, so bills end up getting bundled. But if 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 bills were indeed single issue bills, we'd have much more productive Congress. And that's one of the that's one of the conclusions of adversarial collaboration. Although that's such an obvious one, we don't spend too much time on that. Um, on that process because it's just not where it's just not where our legislators are and they're not likely to ever get to the point where they're talking about single pieces of legislation but there's a there's a power there's a power elite um, Jeff and when you have people I'll say like Trump and like Joe Biden and Kamala Harris and whoever else and Nancy Pelosi and Schumer and McConnell, it it seems well. I don't know, it seems obvious to me that those people are not in charge. <laughs> I mean, I, I I don't think they have the intellect. I don't think they have the energy. I don't think they have the bandwidth. I don't think anybody would. Somehow, some way, things are getting into these bills by 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 totally an outside door. There's a, there's a secret door to Congress that, that only a few people know about, or something. And his money is just getting pushed toward. I mean, I, I'm not even sure. I mean, yesterday I was asking uh, John Flanagan. I said, John, what, uh, so this bill, say the bill got passed and it's whatever, how many thousand pages? How many people do you need, Jeff, just to in 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 government, just to read the damn thing, put put it in the, the register and say, wow, who, who's this guy, Jeff Joseph? Somehow we got to send him a fifty thousand dollar check or a fifty million dollar check for something who the hell even is he i mean I, who, who actually works through the details and, and and makes all this stuff happen every little clause that let's say luckbox magazine got a clause in there that you're the the magazine of the future which by the way i happen to believe and you're going to get a hundred million dollar stipend every year who is your lobbyist I mean, but how do, who even who even goes through the stuff and, and digs this stuff out and goes, that looks like we owe this guy something and like sends the check how do you even how do you even go through it I mean, how many people does it take well, i think that's again the most embarrassing part of the failure of the news media is they're so complicit in this deception of you know, American citizens, because have you anywhere seen a list of specifically everything that's in the bill? You'll have legislators speak to provisions in the bill that are their pet projects or that that cast their argument in the, in, in a certain light, right? Like there's uh, child care, you know, provisions, which obviously everybody likes to see, or you, you know, the Republicans might be mentioning, hey, this is a tax giveaway to the blue states, particularly Illinois, New York, and California, because they want to repeal the $10,000 cap. You know, this is, this is actually a, you know, the, the bill is actually a tax cut for the rich on, on, as far as state income tax goes and deductibility of, of uh, you know, mortgages. Um, and you'll hear those bits and pieces come by, but there's no one that's taken the time 
and I'm not sure why. So, uh, you know, I, I guess we're just as complicit. We haven't figured out that. Uh, where, where is this going? Where, where is it in complete elements? Why is it such a... Why did the words that Nancy Pelosi once said, well, we have to pass the bill to see the Senate, why does that seem like such a an, an, an irony in terms of understanding our legislative process today? It's probably the reality. You know, it's it's, it's 4,000 pages. It's, no one's read it. They know of individual things that are in there. But all they know is that their item is in there and they want to pass. So, you know, why... why why we tolerate this is just beyond me. Well, Why our media isn't doing a better job of identifying, you know, here it is. Why not publish a complete book of here's the entire bill? You know, well, when you say the media, like to be would find a hundred things that don't need to be there. Well, when we you say the media, things that we'd like to say. I mean, what, what the media, the news media. First of all, I, I mean, this is not this is not an accusation. It's it's probably a it's an accusation, I guess, of the ignorance of the. The normal American citizen, which, which I am. I mean, I, I, and even though I listen to CNBC all day, I mean, John's on there, and I know some people on there, so I, I listen. Kenny Polcar used to be on there. I think he's on Fox more now, but uh, I should have probably both on. And yet, even I get lulled into the idea that this is actually news, because once in a while they'll they'll break with they have numbers come out and so forth. So that part, I guess, is news. But every ninety five percent of it, Jeff. Is a bunch of people touting their own companies. The, the news people only asking the guy softball questions because he won't come on if he doesn't. Same way with a politician or anything. It doesn't even resemble news by any stretch. And, and, and yet people think it's a news show. I mean, it, there's a bit, there's bit and pieces of news in there. You know, I mean, obviously when they, when they come out with the labor numbers, I think that's news. Okay. So you're going to watch it for that. But everybody after that is not. Is not news, and, and every company president that's not news. I mean, really, I mean, and every guy who comes on and manages money for somebody, he's, he's going to tell you how the market's going to be up ten percent every year. So send him more money, and he'll watch it for you, right? I mean, that's what that, that the, the, you know. But yet, you're, they're not going to let you and I on there and meet the press or whatever these Sunday show are, and and, and just to be a couple of uh, so we say not nice people, where we we pick out fifteen pages of this bill. And we come up with the most egregious stuff. Gee, look at this Matt Weber guy, representative from God knows where, seems to have, you know, thirty million dollars from some some library parking lot. And you'll, then they'll show we'll show a picture of the parking lot with eight cars in there. I mean, if if, if somebody did that, but they never will. I mean, as, as much as AOC and Cruz will get on there and, and and look like they're jousting, they never will call the other person out for for money they took from somebody and voted for that person. It's like it's a total no man's land. It's like there's honor among thieves or something. I mean, it, nobody will ever do what you and I want them to do. Why? I guess is my question because it's not news. I'm thinking. Maybe that's why the economists didn't leave the country of India. Well, I mean, it's. I mean, I mean, why? I mean, why doesn't somebody have a go go that deep into one of these? But the last two guys that did were uh, were were a tool. I use this south side term. The two old hatchet face guys that must be dead now. Simpson Bowles. Right. They That was a great effort, right? I yeah. mean, they took months. They came up with uh, said not one single recommendation from Simpson Bowles. Yeah was accepted by the Obama administration, even though they put it together. Not a single, not, not one thing. I think they came up with 14 ideas, 
Yeah, and that one of them was accepted. And what, yeah. what did the one guy say? If we did, if you if you deal with the government or your if your fingers in the in the pie of the government, if we didn't piss you off, you either didn't read it hard enough or we didn't we we forgot about you or something like that. Because I mean, their, their point was everybody's doing nothing but stealing, and and and, and my point all along is, you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna stop it, uh, Jeff, and and you aren't either. But my my point is when when the, when the Fed starts printing money. It becomes even easier to do it, and oh, by the way, uh, it, it's going to harm more people in the long run. That's, that's kind of my my point, really. And I think I'm I'm being I'm being borne out in what's happening, but I don't want to be borne out by what's happening, right? Do you? Right. I mean, neither one of us. If we, if we're structural engineers and we're driving under a bridge and we look up and see, hey, there's supposed to be four bolts there, Jeff. There's only two. Uh, and nobody will pay any attention to us. We, we really don't want the bridge coming down on somebody's head just to prove us right, do we? We like somebody to put the two bolts in. And, and we pull the readers on certain questions so that are more forecasting, um, prediction and forecast questions. We, we end up with, I think, 88 forecasts for the coming year for 2022 in this, in this next issue. But one of the, one of the elements that we all agreed is going to be a primary component of the persistency of inflation going forward is, is the price of oil. Do you think we'll top 100? In this coming year? No, I actually don't. I think uh, I think the, the, the equilibrium price oil. I honestly believe Jeff is somewhere in this sixty to seventy-five range. There's a lot of companies that are producing it, and I think uh, at, at that at that range we'll, we'll produce even more here, even despite what the administrations are doing. I don't I don't think oil is going to be the driver of inflation th- this time. Mm-hmm. What, um, what role then? Well, I, I think I think the same thing we've seen. It's been hospitalization. It's been education. It's been uh, virtually everything across the line. Utility bills, you name it. Taxes, the market assets going up. I mean, the idea that uh, uh, we have two percent uh, increase in rent in the CPI in the last year, when every study says it's somewhere between ten and twelve. We got we got real catching up in these numbers to do. Even even if they were to stop it now, the, the follow through is going to be a year before it works its way through the system. I think. I mean, uh, right. I mean, oil, oil. And then, um, and then Matt, you'll, you'll like a couple of recommendations. And then in the next issue, a couple of forecasts are very specific in the uh, sports and gambling area. And that is that the afternoons and 10 national gaming are both set to double in the coming year. They're both what? Set to double in their stock rate. Oh. Interesting because, uh, Penn has, has sort of taken a haircut the last. Several weeks, a uh, substantial one, yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for various reasons. Yeah. Um, I also yeah. was hearing uh, on—I don't know if it was CNBC or what—I was watching yesterday. They were worried about uh, sports gaming stocks because of impending, you know, pauses to the season. Like the NHL just announced that they're pausing right. for a few days. They're worried, you know, if uh, if 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 the NBA and and uh, the other leagues have to pause for. Two weeks or thirty days or sixty days sure. or whatever. How bad is that going to be for the gambling sites when no, there's nothing to bet on? Uh, that said, right. yeah. you know, yeah, I, 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 
I believe in in uh, sports betting. I like sports betting. I think the FanDuel app is the one I use, and I think it's it's one of the best apps I've ever I've ever used. It's it, the 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 technology itself is incredible. The the live lines you can bet every second of every game if you want, and and you have updated lines based on money coming in, money coming out, based on next basket made, based on first down. I mean, it's crazy. And uh, it's great technology. They pay you out immediately uh, if you choose to cash out. Uh, they have all these sort of regulations that warn you about, you know, your trends and, you know, are you sure you want to do this? And, you know, hey, you've you've lost or won this much in, in th- you know, this month. Do you want to pull some out? Do you want to, you know, do you want to calm down, basically? <laughs> uh, it's, it's a great app. I've, I've not used uh, the Barstool Sports app, which is the Penn Gaming uh, uh, sports right. betting app. And I, I've, I've did, I've tried the DraftKings one, and I didn't like that one at all. So I, I would yep. be fully behind uh, FanDuel, which uh, I don't know. Uh, w- do they roll up under the DraftKings stock? I yes, I think they do. I thought, right? Yeah, yeah I think they, they do. They do. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yep. yeah, I would, uh, I, I could see them, you know, having a, a monster year if they, if they don't aren't interrupted by, by COVID. Well, they, they clearly learned a lot from uh, Robin Hood. And outstanding litigation benchmark in terms of uh, gamification and, uh, you know, the, the issues about gamifying investments. And that, that accounts for the disclosures and disclaimers that you just articulated in the FanDuel app, you know, where they're, they're constantly advocating on, the, on behalf of the investor or the gambler and basically saying, hey, you want money here? Do you understand the risk here? Here's your overall stats. Those are all direct elements of, you know, Robin Hood uh, pending litigations and lawsuits, you know, in terms of how they're enticing investors. So they've learned a lot from that. And, and, and I, you know, sports gambling and, and, and betting, you know, we also predict that ESPN will spin off from Disney um, as well uh, because that's another way to monetize uh, the asset to a better degree. Uh, we, we, we think it's, it's got a lot of likes and it's, it's like early cannabis right now. So, the, uh, it's time to get in. State of Illinois, if you guys saw this, you probably have because you're more ahead of this than me, just passed the bill saying that you can now, you can now bet on, uh, Illinois schools and Illinois casinos and whatever else you bet, bet on them. So you are, can, yeah. They just, effective uh, when? Uh, pass maybe this weekend, Friday. I don't know when it's effective. So after first of the year, maybe. Or I, I don't know, but I know. They yeah, because today I don't you, know if the governor signed it yet or not. It's hilarious. So you can bet all you want on Notre Dame, Notre Dame football, Notre Dame basketball, uh, Notre Dame women's basketball, but you can't bet on Illinois or or Southern Illinois, which is even farther away <laughs> in South Bend. It makes it, it makes no sense. Well, in Vegas for three decades, you couldn't bet on UNLV. Well, that sort of makes sense. You're in the same town. This this idea that uh, you know uh, th- these arbitrary lines, like I, I can I can bet on Marquette, which is 45 minutes away, but I can't bet on Southern Illinois <laughs> because it's in the state of Illinois. Well, but we're, so we're 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 totally clear on the morality that no gambler, nowhere, no way, no how is ever going to get through to one of these kids and, and throw one of these games. No, I think they absolutely could. Why all of a of sudden are we don't? I think we, the NIL helps. I think the NIL helps. Uh, the fact that the kids are getting paid now uh, helps uh, reduce the the opportunity or the the the, uh, the want to uh, to take money from yes. gamblers. Um, yeah. I mean, Doesn't mean it couldn't happen though. Of course it could. Who gives a shit? Well, <laughs> Who cares? Well, I mean, I, people throwing games. I think is a big deal. 
Yeah, you don't want them to. Uh, certainly in college, uh, college athletics, you don't want them to. And I would have no problem if they said you couldn't bet on college sports. That'd be fine. But this idea, this arbitrary rule that you can't bet on Illinois schools, oh, but, yeah, I, 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 but you can there. bet on every other school, and then when you cross Illinois lines, that's fine. Then you can bet on Illinois schools. <laughs> yeah, it makes it makes no sense, obviously. Right. But uh, right. so uh, Jeff, when's the new uh, when's the new one coming out? You're at the uh, in about a week. We'll have it in about a week. We ask for this year. All right, bud. We'll talk yeah, at you uh, Merry Christmas, it. and we'll talk at you uh, yep. next week. There's no no show Friday, but. We'll be here next Tuesday. Hopefully, you'll be with us, and hopefully, Mike will be back on Monday. Uh, we miss Mike. The volatility going up and all over the place. I have stuff to ask him. Ask him. Hopefully, I'll be here. Yeah, yeah, same, same here. Yeah, we miss him as well. All right, yeah. bud. Take care of yourself. SP Fears up forty-two. Nasdaq Fears up one eighty-one. It's probably the highest since we came in. Uh, right about where we were down yesterday. So I guess that's good. What do we learn, Palmer? I don't know, sir. I don't know either. I guess we learned not to do it again. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. CairoMed. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.